Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Let's face it, what's happening on the economic front and on the uh, government in particular is all of our business and it has a profound impact on us economically, even socially, culturally, on many different fronts. I love having you on the program. Uh, the Honorable David Walker. He uh, recently was on the show. We're working on having him on as every month. His background is phenomenal as the former Comptroller General of the United States. Uh, he sat in a very unique position of being able to watch what was happening uh, when it came to fiscal policy, economic impact, and such. Uh, a very important role. And we're Delighted to have you back on. I had so much fun in our, our last conversation. I really insisted my team look at, at having you on regularly, and I'm really delighted uh, that we're going to be able to do that. Welcome back on the program, and real quickly talk about uh, main, uh, main Street economics, which I know is a, a great passion of yours. Well, I'm one of the advisors to Main Street economics, and, and they're trying to help educate and engage the American public on the need to be able to put our finances in order. And we recently conducted a poll by Zogby that showed that three-quarters of voters believe that uh, putting our finances in order should be a major priority for Congress and presidential candidates, and two-thirds believe that, it, that we need a bipartisan commission to make it happen. And we may come back to it, but one of those got passed out of the House Budget Committee on a bipartisan basis last Thursday, and I was there. Yeah. Well, that's good. Congratulations on that. Those are hard to come by. Of course, you know, as you well know, uh, more than most, how much of an obstacle course getting something done is with, uh, with multiple branches of government, <laughs> you know, and never knowing what exactly is going to be the uh, trigger on things. But that sounds like significant progress. In my home, as you know, I work on Capitol Hill. I work with organizations uh, like Heritage Foundation and that type of thing. And... Uh, the, the one thing we always see is that the people really are interested in fiscal responsibility. Uh, we hear that a lot, although, you know, uh, uh, you know, the old saying, don't tax you, don't tax me, tax the fellow behind the, the tree, um, the, the Howie Long uh, saying, you know, it's also don't cut me, you know, don't cut you, don't cut me, cut whoever behind the tree. And so this, you know, the talk is cheap, you know, and we, we've seen that before. And, and the Congress, and Congress man, they're notorious. They both, on both sides, love talking about the other side's fiscal irresponsibility. But each side has their own sacred cows where, you know, they end up uh, simply doing a lot more rhetoric than anything else. I know, like, in your effort, you took a very interesting approach when you were controller of, uh, you know, of the uh, – uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, controller general, controller right. general, the controller general of the U.S. You took a really interesting approach of uh, really a, a tour around the country promoting fiscal responsibility back in 2009. You know, and I think about that, and I think it was so important. I think it's one of the most important things anyone in your position has done. You know, and then the debt was uh, nine trillion dollars. And here we are, not really that many years later, at $32 trillion. And you think about a country that gone from uh, no debt in 1788 and taking until the 1980s to get to the first trillion dollars, to me it's terrifying. Well, Kevin, the real key is the citizen education engagement because the people are way ahead of the politicians 
They can handle the truth. They're willing to accept tough choices if they're part of a comprehensive plan designed to meet a debt-to-GDP goal, consistent with principles and values that bring people together rather than divide them apart. Last thing on this is I did another tour, 27 states, 10,000 miles in, in uh, 2012, financed largely by H. Ross Perot Sr., may God may rest in peace. And uh, we got 77 to 97% agreement from representative groups of voters in the North and South on Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, health care, tax, defense, government organization operation, and political reform. So that's what this committee needs to do. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic it's going to get tacked on to the final funding bill for 2024. Uh, the sooner the better. Yeah, and I love your optimism, frankly. Uh, someone in your position isn't going to be able to move anything if they have an attitude like mine. <laughs> well, you know. I'm very cynical. You know, you've already known that just in the short time you've known me. I'm very cynical. But we need to keep fighting for that change. Uh, and, uh, and we need people like yourself uh, who champion this type of thing, I think is absolutely crucial. Now, all this for this provided some context to what we're really going to focus on today, which continue uh, incredibly a bizarre way our government funds itself, uh, basically through continuing resolutions. I mean, what's the last thing that the Congress actually passed an actual budget? Uh, the last time that they passed a budget and all the appropriations bills on time was 1996. And they've yes, only done the last it. time we had a balanced budget, by the way. <laughs> uh, 98. 90, not, 98, 98 that's 2001. Right. But, but yeah. you know, in my lifetime, in my lifetime, and I was born in 1951, uh, Congress has only done things in a, in a timely manner four times in yes. 72 years. I call that an F minus. Yeah. Yeah. And he, we had conversations recently about uh, with Biden saying, I'm not sure if we need to even have a continuing resolution. My God, that means they would literally do not even do evaluation of how they're spending, let alone actually have an accounting uh, by passing a budget. I mean, this, this is astonishing to me. And, Kevin, as you know, one of the frustrations is the, you know, the uh, appropriations bills cover less than 30% of spending. Over 70% yeah. of spending for social insurance programs, uh, interest, et cetera, are on autopilot. We've basically written a blank check. And so when we look at this commission, Everything has to be on the table. Now, not everything is equal, but everything has to be on the table. Right. There are sacred cows, right, that both sides are terrified of touching. That, frankly, is where the greatest opportunity for restraint are. But nonetheless, yeah, every you know everything has to be under consideration. So they, they finally passed a continuing resolution. There was a lot of uh, threats that uh, Speaker Johnson would end up becoming uh, – booted out uh, if he created the kind of coalition, but frankly, and unfortunately, that, that, that crazy mob in the, in the House, in the Republican side of the House, where you talk about, you know, where one talks about the, tag, the, the, the tail wax the dog, that's exactly how the GOP side of the House is operating. They said, hey, wait a minute, there's nobody in this caucus is going to be better for us than Speaker Johnson. So thank God, you know, thank, thank God for that, uh, even with all my problems with Speaker Johnson. Um, but they did, they only got another continuing resolution. And we're talking about something that's easier to measure time-wise uh, 
by weeks than months, not than even months. Talk a little bit about that and, and talk about what's next in light of that. Uh, because you're pointing out the fact during the break, you know, there's some serious decisions they need to be making ASAP. But all that's predicated on them figuring out how to continue to get continuing resolutions. Right. Well, the, the, they have two continuing resolutions. Uh, one extends part of the uh, deadline until March 1st, and the other one is March 8th. That's not very long from now. Uh, they have a lot of work to do to get to those points. Uh, you know, Speaker Johnson has committed to follow the regular order. Uh, that means he wants to work things through committees. He wants to avoid an omnibus bill. Uh, so they got a lot of work to do in a short period of time. And the other issue that's going on right now from a fiscal front is the supplemental. You know, the, the desire on behalf of the president to provide over $100 billion for Ukraine, Israel, and the border. Uh, and the big difference is, what do you want to do at the border? Uh, the president largely wants more money to continue to do what he's doing. Uh, and I think the Republicans have rightfully drawn a bright line and a hard line to say that we're not going to make progress on uh, on the international funding until we do something to secure our border. Uh, and, you know, I know the Senate's been working on something. I, my understanding is it's largely not acceptable to the House. Uh, the House is looking to do something closer to H.R. 2. Uh, we'll see what happens, uh, but uh, I do think that the supplemental needs to be handled separately from the regular budget, uh, and there are uh, important uh, policy changes that need to happen in order to secure our border. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, realistically, what do you end up? What do you envision happening? Uh, to me, it just seems to me that CRs are going to be the way we go. Uh, I think that the, you know, because it has been really for years now, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but you know, I think you're going to be in vogue again, if you will, uh, where they become common and conventional approach, uh, like, frankly, they had been forever until uh, New Gingrich came along. New Gingrich kind of shook that up, right? And then right. all of a sudden it almost became normal to have near shutdowns and even shutdowns, even as it damaged our credibility and our credit rating. You know, and I think it hit, it hit a fever pitch uh, last year. Um, my gut tells me, for no other reason than the fact that it is such bad PR, uh, we're at least moving to a more reasonable position around CR, not because they, any, either side likes it, uh, but because the alternatives that they're willing to look, like, look at are disastrous. Well, I think the bottom line is is that, you, we're going to avoid a shutdown. I don't think anybody wants a shutdown, especially in an election year. Uh, secondly, uh, you know, a CR, you know, an all-year CR is a possibility. It's clearly not desirable. Uh, it creates more uncertainty. But the other thing is, is you know, as you know, uh, spending is up 40% in the last four years. And so if you end up doing a CR, you're basically funding the government at the same level as the last year. And frankly, it was bloated. Uh, you know, when I testified before the House Budget Committee in March, I said you need to cut spending for 24 because 23 was so bloated. And then you needed this commission and you need a constitutional amendment to be able to cure the disease. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, CR is not the way to run run the railroad. But on the other hand, uh, it may be uh, the best of several bad alternatives. But that leaves the supplemental in the wings. 
Yeah, absolutely better than the alternative. We're getting close to having to uh, begin our wrapping up. Talk a little bit about uh, what you're doing because you're very passionate about educating others, which I think is so important. And uh, talk a little bit about those educational efforts and kind of point people in a direction of where they can go to get more information on how they can get involved because it requires, frankly, all of us to be invested in a way that you've chosen to be. Well, I'm involved in multiple different organizations and multiple efforts, one of which is Main Street Economics, which is MainStreetEconomics.org, which we've talked about. Another is Joe from Texas, which is JoeFromTexas.com. Another one is the Federal Fiscal Sustainability Foundation, which is Let Us Vote for FRA.org. All of them are trying to help restore fiscal sanity and sustainability in different ways. They're all worthwhile to take a look at. Uh, I'm also one of the national co-founders of No Labels. Uh, they have published a common-sense agenda based upon concerns of Americans. That's nolabels.org. Uh, and two of the three top issues of the 30 that they have deal directly with the issue we're talking about here today. Uh, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fighting for our country, I'm fighting for my kids, and I'm fighting for my grandkids. Uh, and that's, yeah, what absolutely. that's what the stakes are. That's what the stakes are here. They are very big. Very big. Talk real quickly about some of the different ways that these organizations are uh, fighting this battle. Well, Main Street Economics is primarily focused on publications, you know, whether it be a new book that's coming out uh, within the next several months, which you'll hear more about, a pamphlet uh, that I, you know, I, I wrote the forward for the book, a pamphlet that Les Rubin and I have written. Uh, that's going to probably be provided for free, a, a short pamphlet to help educate people and try to get them engaged. Uh, in addition to that, uh, Joe from Texas is, is conducting various uh, public events. I did one with him up in uh, New Hampshire. Uh, we were up in New Hampshire uh, last uh, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. We had Joe Manchin join us. There are several other prominent politicians that are interested in participating uh, in what we're doing. Uh, and the Federal Fiscal Sustainability Foundation is, is fighting to make sure the states have the right to uh, to pull together a, a a convention of states to propose a fiscal responsibility amendment. And uh, uh, and you know it turns out that in 1979 we had 39 states that had, that had active applications to do that, and the Congress never did anything. Uh, and so now we're trying to uh, make sure that the Congress is held accountable for failing to uh, discharge their express, enumerated, and non-discretionary responsibility under Article 5 of the Constitution. So I'm fairly busy. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, you're very busy. <laughs> uh, by yeah, the way, keep it up. It, I appreciate way, that effort. It's all pro bono. Yeah. It's all for yeah, love absolutely. of country and family, not for money. I think it's phenomenal what, you do, what you're doing. I encourage you to keep it up, and I look forward to our next conversation, and uh, I think uh, probably it would be very apt there in March because we have a better idea of what is going to unfold next. I mean, I February, rather. Yeah. That's right. I, I hear you. It. Yeah, buddy. Well, we may okay, also have sir. some more clarity. We may have some more clarity on what the, uh, the presidential voice is like to look like as well. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, you know, I, uh, I I wasn't enthusiastic about any of the Republican choices. My main criteria is can we get somebody normal? That was my main criteria. And then most, most I would argue one of, if not the most normal, 
conventional, uh, someone that can work on both sides of the aisle and, and can really not embarrass us is uh, still left, and that would be uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, but, man, what a mess. What a mess, frankly, both sides. I think I, I, I love the objective of no labels, uh, that, that group no labels, um, because both parties, frankly, are so embarrassing in their dysfunction. And uh, we live in a country that says we really value competition, but we simply are uh, fine with two terrible choices with something as important as a president. I mean, I've got dozens of choices, David, for toilet paper. But uh, we live in a culture that only thinks we have two choices. And that binary thinking, frankly, is among the reasons why we have a $32 trillion-plus debt today. We have got to develop a different attitude. Well, as you know, it's now thirty-four plus trillion, and in addition yeah. to that, when you, you add the unfunded, of that. I barely got right. used to thirty-two. <laughs> right. Well, and when you add the unfunded obligations for Social Security and Medicare, and unfunded civilian military pensions, retiree health care, the real number is over a hundred and twenty-five trillion dollars. Ah, right. Yeah, going back to sacred cows, right? Yeah, well, you know, if they're not sustainable, that means you need to do something. And the sooner you do yeah, it, the better, absolutely. because the longer you wait, uh, the more you have to do. But, Kevin, as you know, I'm one of the national co-founders of No Labels as well, so I'm very much involved in that effort as well. Yeah, we need to have a conversation about that. Maybe maybe we sure. can do that in our next, cover, next uh, interview. I think it'd be great because we've probably got a better sense of who the major candidates are going to be for the two parties, and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got the very intriguing possibility of someone like uh, Joe Manchin uh, running independently. And to me, he would be by far the most viable of any of the people that are currently being discussed, in my opinion. And so who knows? Um, all I know is we got to get off of the bi so-called bipartisan or the, the cult of the two parties that we have in this country if we really want to uh, expand our opportunities. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that next time. My guest today was uh, the Honorable David M. Walker, former Comptroller General of the U.S., and so glad to have you on the program. By the way, check out MainstreamEconomics.org. And thanks so much, David, for being with us. Good to be with you, Kevin. See you next month. I'm Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business. Stay tuned for more. After this.